Hello and welcome to Life of the School, episode 130. My name is Aaron Matthew, and I'm a biology teacher from Massachusetts. And on the Life of the School podcast, I like to sit down with a panel of life science teachers and ask them about aspects of what's going on in their classroom and, and issues that we're all facing. And uh, I have a, uh, a great Central Time Zone panel lined up for this month. It is a, it is a, <laughs> it is a time zone uh, that is going to keep me stressed to trap, not go to four-hour episodes as we get in here. But uh, it is a great group. Uh, and so uh, we're going to start off with a goofy question. Um, and as we're recording this a little bit before Halloween, and it'll come out slightly after Halloween, um, I want to know, uh, you know, did you dress up for Halloween this year? Or if not, when was the last time you did? And uh, joining us from Texas is Lee Ferguson. Welcome, Lee. Hello. So I didn't dress for Halloween this year, um, but I'm pretty sure that the last time I actually like went all out and dressed up for Halloween, I dressed up as a <laughs> hockey puck. And somewhere in my house, there is actually a photograph of me in this costume. I mean, it, I made it out of um, foam board and, you know, had decorated it with the Dallas Stars logo on it and had a hockey stick. And yeah, it was crazy. That is <laughs> it a, was pretty uh, crazy. That is, a, that is a vision. I can, en I can envision that right now. <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to find the picture and maybe put it on Facebook because I have no shame. I'm getting to that age in my life where I just really don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm just glad that there's not photographic evidence of other stupid things that I've done. Yes. <laughs> Thank God cell phones were not a thing yeah, when we yeah, were in college. The joys of growing up before social media. All right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And uh, and joining us from, I believe, Kansas, I didn't ask beforehand, uh, but I believe joining us from Kansas is Kelly Cluthy. Kelly, are you still in Kansas? I'm actually on the Missouri side ah. of the metro now. I made the jump last I realize that because I know where your school is. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're Kansas in Kansas City. City. So you're right on the Kansas-Missouri border. But oh, yeah. have you what was, have you dressed up as a, as a Halloween for a Halloween costume this year? My plan is to go as Miss Frizzle uh, from Magic School Bus um, because my, I always get a lot of comments from my students that I remind them of Miss Frizzle or Miss Frizzle's sister or something like that. Um, I've got all sorts of dresses with like dinosaurs and beetles and insects and stuff. So I'm going to try to pull it off. Dog approves. That is All right. And, uh, and joining us from, from the great north, um, up in Wisconsin is Sedate Kohler. Welcome, Sedate. Hey, yeah. Um, so for Halloween, a few years ago, I had created a costume where I uh, <laughs> decided to go to outer space, which is uh, an extension of just science teacherness. Um, even though I don't teach Earth and space science, but um, I have a really cool pair of galaxy print leggings that um, I'm a token weird horse girl and so they have the horse head nebula on them nice um which is the main reason why i bought them um but then to complement the horse head nebula galaxy print leggings i hot glue gunned a whole bunch of glow in the dark stars to address um 
So that's what I think. I haven't done that since my first year. So it's it's been out of the rotation for about five years. But I did forget that last year I dressed up as one of my colleagues and I had this great idea because uh, he wore a pretty typical outfit every single day. Um, and But he always had a beard. And so I actually took like a, a temporary white mask from last year. We were hybrid. Um, Fully remote. Or not hybrid. Um, yeah. Well, we were, we were hybrid last year, but we were obviously all wearing masks. And so um, I... Uh, took this mask and <laughs> attempted to color um, brown all over it um, so that it looked like a beard. I ended up looking more like a horse um, than, a, than a human. Amazing. So it, it really didn't land. <laughs> I had to make a name tag that said who I was, but um, the intention was there and I, I did embarrass him, which was the goal. Um, but it didn't really look like a man. <laughs> it just I don't know what it was. It was a lot of confusion, um, but we're going to stick with simple this year and just go with the whole, you know, solar system, sort of. When solar um, system is your, is your simple, uh, as simple opposed to complex. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Just like too, too annoyingly creative to like make one thing work um, is a lot of the times my, like my I'm mind, envisioning so. like a crown with the solar system, just like rotating around your head. That would be great. Oh, that would yeah. Cool. That's, that's really what I need. Is like almost like a, like a, like a mobile, you know, like the kind they put over baby beds, you know, yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I'm envisioning. Battery powered. Yes. Oh. <laughs> or solar powered. Oh. oh. <laughs> so many missed opportunities. Yeah. There you go. Well, I I am uh, I'm on I realized that I didn't mean to do this but I am now on theme of uh relatively obscure um movie reference costumes a couple of years ago uh, my wife and I went where she dressed up as Marty McFly and I was Doc Brown um and then uh uh last year I dressed as a as a royal tannenbaum because I had the long hair and the beard and so I got I had a great feel a t-shirt oh, and the yes. sunglasses and, and at the headband I really pulled it off quite well uh except for I realized that uh all of oh I was I, I oh, but you completely Richie. got it because you knew what Richie I looked like last year I would yes. I, I completely kneeled Oh yes, and that's one of my favorite movies too. Yeah, so, so la- yeah, last year totally with the glasses like and Richie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Before he I cut could have his done hair. that this year, but I didn't want to shave the beard. <laughs> so instead, I just yeah. got like a, a human Earthman T-shirt and a satchel, and I am going to go as Alan from The Hangover uh, this year. Uh, so yes, uh, I, have this, I have a lovely brown satchel, um, <laughs> and I have some. I have some. I have some poker chips. I think I'm going to fill the. I'm going to fill the satchel with poker chips and wear that to school. And again, it'll be a thing that. Yes. Nobody at my school will understand or get. It's just going to be one of those things, except for like our librarian, who's very cool. Uh, I will go in and I will walk in and she will be like, I love it. And I'll be like, perfect. All right. That makes the whole day. Um. <laughs> See, you need a baby yeah, yeah. in a, in the a, Bjorn. what do they yeah. call that thing? The yeah. harness, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. You need so, Carlos. So believe it or not, I looked Carlos. at that. That is the other <laughs> avenue I went. I almost went. So there, there was a time, uh, you know, like. 15 years ago that I actually wore a baby Bjorn on a regular basis um, back when uh, the the giants that are now uh, storming around my house or at the University of Massachusetts were, were little. Um, but but I don't know where that thing is. And I just couldn't bring myself to buy a baby doll and a thing. So the leather satchel no. is much easier. Oh, gosh, easier no. Go, so. <laughs> All right. So as I, as I promised, fully off the rails to start. Uh, awesome. But uh, let's get into our theme for the episode, which is um, uh, this is something that I've been thinking a lot about this this fall in particular, especially as we went through a weird year 
and a half where like a lot of the curriculum mandates and stuff like that magically all of a sudden disappeared. Um, like, hey, you could do that. Um, but then all of a sudden they've all magically once again come back. Um, and a lot of conversations that happen online are people talking about like their pacing or like what they have to cover. And coverage is something that, you know, uh, as as many of us know from the AP bio world, uh, cover is something that you do to curriculum when you don't want anybody to see it. Uh, <laughs> you uncover it when you want it to be revealed. But this idea of of who and what dictates your curriculum was something I was really, uh, I was really curious about. So I thought, what better way than bring bring the group together and say, "Hey, who who tells you what to teach?" Because um, <laughs> I know uh, I live in a very privileged uh, part of the world, and I uh, my experience is not like everybody else's. So uh, with that, uh, let's start by setting some baseline. Like, what what are you teaching? You know, wh what are the populations you're dealing with? Kelly, why don't we start with you? What is your teaching situation this year? So I teach a little bit of everyone in our school. I have three sections of our 10th grade biology classes. I have one section of our dual enrollment biology for 11th and 12th graders. And I actually <laughs> teach our health classes too, because that's part of our science uh, department. So um, I have two sections made up of oh. mostly 9th and 10th graders. Okay, so can I ask a question of you, Kelly? Because I was when I saw that you taught health, I'm like, is health not a PE? It counted as a PE class up there in Missouri? So it was part of our PE department mm -hmm. um, until I took it over last year. Um, they get just the health credit. It doesn't matter which department is the one mm -hmm. teaching the course. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, where we are down here in Texas, it's it's considered a PE class. Ooh. And of course, and that's, and that's if they even, well, it's under the umbrella of PE. But I don't believe now health is a requirement, like it's not a required course anymore, which <laughs> might explain a lot about, you know, some things here in Texas. But, um, you know, I've, it used to be a requirement. And I think a couple of years ago, once they expanded graduation requirements by requiring more credits, um, health became an elective, not a graduation requirement. So... Mm -hmm. I was curious. I was like, it's a science class. What? You yep. mean they use evidence-based information? <laughs> that's the plan. And they get Good. a half No, that's that's for. great that yeah. it's being taught by a science person and not yeah, a seriously. coach. <laughs> I actually really like it. I wasn't sure at first, but I've really grown to enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's like a practical application of science when you think about it. It's a it. flashback so, for me because yeah, my first cool. teaching job, the one that I got hired, like literally the friday before the school year started the next week um and they cobbled together like a 0.8 <laughs> position was like was 60 percent a science class and it was a 0.2 of health and we had a dedicated health teacher because mm -hmm. in massachusetts it is a requirement that mm -hmm. students take health and they have a health like a year they but they don't say what department it's in just similar to what lee said it's usually a, a mm -hmm. it's usually not given to people as a specific like elective type thing you know it's not it's not given it's given to a gym teacher to teach not a specific electives teacher um like other electives but i taught in a school where that was the case and they had an overflow so yeah uh it's interesting all right well uh sedate how about you what are, what are you teaching these days Yeah, so I'm on year three of the same schedule and i'm very blessed to say that so i have four sections of um, biology. So we have just freshmen for the most part taking biology. I do have a couple of 
kiddos who did not, who were not successful last year, um, who are in need of some um, remediation that are taking it again this year. Um, and then two sections of AP biology. So AP is um, juniors and seniors because of the, the uh, flow of our classes and the chemistry All right. requirement. All right. And Lee, I think I know what it yeah. is, but uh, why don't we refresh everybody? What are you, what are you teaching these days? Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I actually have the exact same schedule that I had last year. Um, I teach four sections of AP bio um, to sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And then this year I have a section of IB bio. Mm -hmm. It's the first year of the two-year sequence um, because at my school we teach IB Bio 1, IB Bio 2, and then SL Bio, which if you're not in the IB world, HL stands for higher level, which is a two-year course. Uh, SL stands for standard level, which at my school is a one-year course. At most schools is a two-year course. It's just a much, um, I guess it's a more reduced version of the higher level curriculum. It's, um, I would almost put it on par with like a pre-AP honors level biology um, really geared toward our IB students who are not real strong in the sciences, mm -hmm. but still want to take a science course. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our HL students are the ones that tend to be, you know, the, the kids who want to go on to study science later on. And so my team and I, we rotate around <laughs> who teaches HL. And so this year, it's my turn to teach the first year of the two-year sequence. Um, and those kids are all juniors because to participate in the IB diploma program, you have to be a junior. And so I will get to work with these kids for the next two years, which is a really fun, um, it's a fun privilege to have because some of these kids that are in my class now, I taught last year as mm. sophomores taking AP. And so some of these kids I will have had for three years by the time it's all oh. said and done, you know, That's which really is a cool. lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, cause that, it, it really, when you think about it. The only time that happens is with your band, choir, or orchestra folks, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, your 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 coaches, because they're going to be the same no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so to be a content teacher who gets to work with the same kids for, you know, multiple years in a row, again, that just, that usually yeah. does not happen at the high school level, you know, unless right. it's a sport yeah. or a fine not, art. Not in a school your you size. Know, so. Um. <laughs> No, definitely not in a school my yeah. size. And so does that, definitely are your not. sophomores who take AP, is, is, is AP a, a first year AP course in your school? No. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, let, let me back this up. So most of the time, no, it is not. Um, in fact, we try to discourage it as much as possible. Um now, we have had some kids be enrolled in AP Bio this year as a first science class or as a first biology course. Um, they have not been successful. And, you know, we've actually, we actually had a meeting with the curriculum principal and the lead counselor and the advanced academics um, lead, pardon me, and we said, hey, you know, it's really recommended, you know, it's a prereq that these kids take you know, biology one and, you know, at least be concurrently enrolled in chemistry. These kids have neither. And here's what's, here's the result of that. And we were actually told, well, <laughs> TEA, Texas Education Agency, um, says that they don't have to have, you know, these two courses. And of course I was like, wait, no, that's not right. And so I, I, I go back to look at the TEA's requirements, recommendations, whatever you want to call them. 
And even TEA is saying, <laughs> yeah, they should have biology one and chemistry one. I'm like, oh, yeah, just yeah. like the college board says. So we've had a bit of a tussle with our counseling mm-hmm. staff about, hey, you know, are we trying to meet the requirements of the state or are we trying to do right by the students? What are we doing? And is it more important to meet state requirements or is it more important to do right by kids? You know, and it's, it's, it's been kind of, (laughs) we're a little salty about it because, because it, it hurts kids, you know, when, when Mm -hmm. they're insisting that this is more, you know, that what the state says is more important than, you know, student success. And, you know, one of the students I had who, you know, I raised a concern about, I, you know, the kid is fantastic, has a, had a great worth, work ethic, but just simply did not have the background needed to be successful. And I told him, I said, look, I hate to see you go. I don't want you to go, yeah. but I want you to be successful. And I want you to come back next year as a senior, because he was a junior student, and try again. You know, I want you to try this again. I said, because I know that once you get through bio one, you could come back into this class and just kill. I said, you could be awesome, but I want you to go back and do this first so that you can be successful, you know? <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how that goes because one of the things that worries me is that, um, you know, if, if my counseling staff is going to just dismiss all prerequisites, that what will happen is that we will have freshmen. Yeah you know, from the freshman (laughs) center, since they're not on my campus, want to take AP biology as a first class, a first uh, biology class. And that the numbers of those students who will want to do that are going to be so great that they'll have to start offering it at the freshman center, which I don't know that they're prepared to do. (laughs) So we'll see. It's, it's, It'll, it'll be an interesting year <laughs> to see when once we get, you know, course yeah. selections. Right, well, I, got, I have a bomb that. to drop into this one after I uh, <laughs> say what I teach. So so I teach uh, two sections of honors biology, which right now is a predominantly freshman course with some sophomores because of the way student course selection happens in our school. Um, basically, students are recommended at the middle school when they come up their recommendation, students have the track to go into honors biology or they're recommended for various levels of earth science. And then students, particularly their their mm-hmm. sophomore year, if they've taken earth science, they can then, you know, take honors biology their sophomore year. So I end up having this mix of, of students in that grouping. And then I teach AP biology, which is predominantly juniors and seniors, uh, which has had the very interesting phenomenon of when I started teaching it in our school, it was almost all seniors. It was like, three quarter seniors and a quarter uh, sophomores, I mean, a quarter, a quarter juniors. And it has dramatically shifted in the time I've taught it to be mostly, it, it is predominantly a junior course now. Um, and next year we are going to change our course sequence and create a single entry course for all students that come in. And every student is going to take an earth and environmental freshman course um, as their entry course. And AP biology is going to then become the top level first year biology course as a sophomore. Uh, And it is, so, so it's, and (laughs) then AP chemistry is going to be a first year chemistry course as opposed to a second year chemistry course that will happen for juniors. So there's a few things Mm -hmm. to go on. So first of all, I should say that my average AP score is usually somewhere between a four, four and a four, six. So like 
the level of what our kids do at our school is not like it's like oh our level we might go down to averaging like a three eight or a three nine like <laughs> like like that's the that's the conversation it's like so it it's one of those things are there and our AP chemistry scores are even higher like the almost nobody doesn't get a five on the AP chem class on the AP chem because our honors curriculum wow. is pretty much wow. our honors curriculum gets every kid to nearly a four like if you can get an A in honors chem you could probably walk in and take off, take the camp. Now you, I, would they know the task verbs? Would they know all the math? No, but like, that's what our kid, like these kids come in and they're like, let's just destroy all curriculum, that kind of thing. Now I think with maturity, freshmen are struggle with some of the maturity issues and some of the study habits and like hygiene mm-hmm. and like other things that 14 year olds struggle with. Um, but genuinely <laughs> like kids who come in, if we can teach them and we can vertically team that first group in, and teach them task verbs and teach the teachers task verbs so that they're like creating some pre-skills and teach some lab skills and teach those other things. Um, I think it is an interesting challenge to take our non-traditional approach to curriculum that we do with our AP kids. And obviously we are going to make some changes um, and do that. And then the other opportunity is it creates a space for a junior senior research elective, which we currently do not have in our school and I think is a crime. Um, and so not only would I get to teach that course, um, it will fill a need that is desperately lacking for our high powered kids who don't have mommy or daddy working in a lab already, um, which is currently an equity. We have some major equity issues with access. Like what are the kids that get into honors classes? And it seems to be mostly that the kids who are accessing AP classes are students who are taking a placement t- test in sixth grade based off of their math and that's dictating how their entire like course of science goes like there's a, some huge equity issues and if we don't sort of like like take the the take the yahtzee and like shuffle the whole thing up and throw it out and and really mix things up we can't address some of the systemic issues and so um if you had asked me this five six years ago i would have been like what are you crazy uh, but having stepped back a little bit and saying oh we have the potential of changing some serious equity structural issues we have in our building and providing some different opportunities and course selection because right now we got like in our sophomore courses students could be taking one of like eight different levels of various courses for everything from you know some kids taking ap biology early down to like a very you know fundamentals level biology course like it's it's kind of all over the place and um some are in chemistry some in biology like they're all over the place this will create a much more homogeneous uh grouping of students which we currently don't have so uh, that's sort of the effort behind that so hearing you talk about you know math the kids having to mm-hmm. take a math placement or something early like mm-hmm. yeah i guess is sixth grade middle, middle school or elementary where you are Okay, yeah, because in in my dist- in my district, mm-hmm. sixth grade is still elementary school. Um, it just makes mm-hmm. me wonder why is math yeah. the determinant, you know, for placement not just in science <laughs> but in GT programs. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, I would be interested to hear from a GT coordinator, from a math teacher, why is math the determinant? Especially when we know that equity issues exist and that students of color, you know, historically underperform on math assessments. Mm -hmm. Why are we using math as the determinant? Because by using math, you're automatically, you know, closing the door 
to so many students who may be gifted in other ways who could still be successful in GT programs, who could still be successful in science classes, who may just need to work really hard at math, but not, you know, just because they're not gifted at it doesn't mean they can't do it. You know, I mean, I was one of those students because I was left out of GT programs until the fifth grade. And I honestly believe it was because of my math skills and my math scores, because I was always above level in everything but math. Everything but math. I also like what I'm really finding in my district and my students is a lack of confidence. Like there's there's ability and there's understanding. But then where where my kids are struggling is this like like fear of being wrong and I Mm -hmm. like our middle school like teachers are kind and sweet and like it's it's hard for me to figure out where that is coming from but they may be like diligent thoughtful attentive students and they don't score well in math and it's that it's that fear for them where you know, they don't trust themselves. They don't trust their own answers. They don't, you know, like, it's sort of like, is, you know, Ms. Kohler, is my answer correct? And I say, well, did you follow the formula? Like, is this number, this number, is this number, this number? And they say, yes, 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 yes. And I say, well, is that final number the answer you got from following all these steps? And they say, yes. And I say, okay. And they go, well, is it correct? And I was like, okay. Did the calculator, did it, did it poop out what you put in? Like, you, you did it. Like, even, like, and there's, I don't know, like, I think there's a confidence issue there. And then I don't know where in my, in my world, in my, you know, education where I was taught to understand, maybe it's a, maybe it's an actual, you know, knowledge issue of, of knowing, okay, well, I got this number from this. So it's hard for me to piece out. And I, I don't know if this is just, not, I'm not a math teacher or, you know, if I just need to continue <laughs> to study more educational psychology, like, is it a fear issue or is it a, like, they're so used to plugging things into a phone and getting an answer that when they do that and we say, don't always trust what you see on the internet. If they're like, well, I don't know if I trust that number. I, it's hard for me to understand, but I, I really do see a fear in my students of getting the math problems wrong. When again, they have followed all of this. I think you're, you're hitting a a systemic issue um, like of, of what they think science is or what they think school is or what they think learning is. Learning is about getting right answers and not about a process. You know, I always, I've for a long time have said, you know, I teach science as a verb, like it's active. We do it. We don't always know the answers. It's, it's more about the process than the answers. Um, and in fact, it's cooler when you find something you're like, huh, why did this happen? Like, that's like, that's much more fun science than, yep, I got exactly what I expected. Um, and so for me, like, like, I think that's a that's a, a cultural issue of how students think learning is supposed to work. Uh, but kind of going back to what Lee said earlier, I think, you know, when I started teaching um, at my current school, the honors recommendations were based off of honors, uh, their their math and their English levels. Like, like it's been so like 20 years ago, it was like, what is the English level you're taking and what is the math level? And they used it as a proxy. And so we got rid of the English and then we taught for about 15 more years and then we got rid of the then we got rid of the math and then like, but things didn't change. Like, like we took away these things, but people were still using the, like people use proxies for justifications of gatekeeping students in and out of programs. And that's just what happens. And so it's like, no, we've got to blow up the structure and provide an opportunity where there isn't currently one. And that's sort of, so where we're going. All right. Well, that was a, that was a nice uh, cul-de-sac we walked into. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> about the nature of learning. <laughs> it would be interesting, though, to hear from, you know, math educators and, and GT yeah. coordinators about why. Why are we using but, these things? And as, we don't even have like, I mean, you're, you I know? assume you're saying GT gifted and talented. Um, and we're like, that's just not even something you mm-hmm. see around where I teach. Like, like, in, or you do in some districts, but it is not. I don't think there has been a, you know, I've taught in several different districts. I went to another district, Massachusetts. I haven't seen a gifted and talented, you know, there are some elementary programs. Um, but again, those elementary programs then dictate mm-hmm. what they do. And mm-hmm. like, it, it could have happened, a, you know, seven years before they get to, mm-hmm. to high school, they're in this elementary program. Um, and right. those things are yep. dictating their opportunities that they get um, at that upper level. So it, it's really interesting mm-hmm. how how all of these things are washing out based off of, you know, a, what a kid is like at eight um, is dictating whether or not they're taking an AP course. And that, like, honestly, like... <laughs> Uh, just having worked with all sorts of kids, it's like, that seems like a pretty crappy way of, of handling opportunity. Um, so yeah. I'm, yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, cause it is, it's so much, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. it's a very fixed mindset approach, right? Because you assume mm-hmm. that whatever the kid can yeah. do at eight, they're going to be able to do at 18. And you know, you're not accounting for that decade of growth yeah. that happens. in between. Or that it's a linear progression, not even just that right. what they can do at eight is what they're, you know, that, that, Oh, they're going to be better in, in, you know, six, seven, eight years. Like, yeah. Well, life and, and then the other idea there. of, mm-hmm. I, I, I like the idea that it's, it's very fixed, but I often think that when we, you know, when I think back to my career and we talk about tracking and tracking issues, it's usually very much talking about the tracking at the high school and how to break down tracking at the high school. And the fact is, if we eliminated tracking at the high school, kids are going to walk in the door thinking that they're good at certain things and not good at other things, and that they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have preconceived notions about themselves as a learner that have been crafted by their previous sort of nine years of public school. Um, and I think even when we fix this issue with sequencing at the high school, it'll give us a few years to generate some AP opportunities. But I don't know that it, it's not fixing it. It's like we're now on step three of like maybe an eight step process that will have larger district implications. And this is by the way, a district wide issue. It's not like we're not just changing at the high school and we're like, yep, problem solved. <laughs> it's like, we're going to address this here. And we've been incrementally changing things at the high school, trying to change some of those cultural pieces. Um, and, and we know, at least I know, um, and some other people involved in the process know that there are going to be other things that come as we go. So, all right. Well, now that we've got what we're teaching, and I went on a, as I said, side note about a curriculum change in my school. Uh, let's talk about um, the the specific state or national standards we have. And obviously, if we teach APRIB, where we we know what those things are, but we teach in uh, you know four very different states. Um, and and it's, I'm curious to see like sort of what are they, and and do you have autonomy in terms of scheduling and pacing? Um, I haven't like every time I talk to Lee, I'm always like really? We're in the same country. We're in the same planet. Um, <laughs> that sort of thing. But, but I, I really don't, I really don't know what folks, folks do. So today, why don't we start with you? Uh, what are, what sort of dictates, dictates your curriculum and, and do you have some autonomy about how you uh, pace out those standards? Sure. Yeah. I live in a land of autonomy. Um, and I think that may be the blessing of being in a relatively small district. Um, so I think we'll, we'll plan to talk about this a little bit later, but um, I collaborate with about four other teachers that just that teach biology with me as a course. Um, and our school has adopted the Wisconsin State Science Standards, which have basically a little Wisconsin flourish on, on NGSS. 
Um, so there's a couple of pieces where they want us to talk specifically about um, more so because Wisconsin has a lot of really interesting geography. Um, and so there's a little bit of that within the earth and physical piece, but biology is relatively the same, maybe a little bit in the ecology. I think that they literally added the word in, you know, Wisconsin ecology or Wisconsin environment or something like that, but it's not, uh, it, it's, there aren't specifically additional new standards that are, that are new and unique to us. Um, and then within AP, just the typical, you know, CED, the, the course and exam description for that, um, I have a really fantastic principal who very much gives us the um, the ability to, to teach what we feel as professionals that we should be teaching our kids. So, um, you know, he comes in and, and will um, observe us, but there isn't a formal um, curriculum review specifically of AP. He trusts us as professionals to be teaching based off of um, the goal of having our students pass mm-hmm. the AP exam and get credit for it. Um However, I will say this much, um, we did have a large turnover in our um, central office administration. And so this year, between this year and and last year, um, we have a new superintendent, new business business and finance director, um, and then new director of curriculum and instruction. And our previous director of curriculum and instruction was really a lovely specialist in elementary and early um, (laughs) elementary reading. Um, which was great for those levels. Um, and so our new director of CNI is a former high school English teacher. Um, and so I also have a master's in curriculum and instruction. Um, and I am really looking forward to um, working with her on sort of a, a review of my curriculum instruction. So I don't have any formal requirements of it. However, I would really, I'm welcoming an audit essentially. Um, because I've been the director of our biology curriculum for my time at my school, um, unofficially. And just because I'm a little bit, uh, bullheaded and confident probably. Um, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to working with someone on it just as, again, as an impartial, you know, new person as a review. So no one that's telling me what to do, but, um, hopefully someone that can give me a little bit of a, of yeah, a new perspective. It's an interesting view of autonomy. Cause I, I, I share a lot of those same sentiments. Um, yeah. uh, I was also expecting something to be about cows and cheese um, to be in your um, <laughs> curriculum. Oh yeah. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, no, there's nothing about cows in our, in our, uh, you know, standards or whatever, but I'm sure they mean for it to be in there. It's just not in there. Speaking of, I don't know if this applies to anyone, but fun fact yesterday was, or Friday was national, no, was it yesterday? Um, cheese curd day and Culver's, which is our um, Midwestern born um, and has since expanded, but our like a chain restaurant similar to that of like In-N-Out or McDonald's, but that's obviously national. It's like frozen um, custard, right? Yes, yeah, it is frozen custard. Burgers. They came out with a new burger that they promote as an, as an April Fool's Day joke. And then everyone in Wisconsin <laughs> took exceptionally seriously and ignored the date. Um, and it's a curd burger. So it's a cheese curd patty on top of a, a beef patty. Oh my gosh. And really sold out, the Culver's open at 10 a.m. And they sold out in less than half an hour. Every, <laughs> like most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. But why does that sound like it would be awesome? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so excited because they thought it was going to yeah. be a joke and then everyone's like, no. Be, be careful of your <laughs> your jokes and you can't joke about cheese in Wisconsin. 
You cannot yeah. joke no. about fried no. cheese. Lee and I had Scott some uh, squeaky cheese curds yet. when we were up there a few oh, years ago. Uh, <laughs> yes. We learned. We were, yep. we were taught. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. All right, Lee, well Lee, how about you? What are, what are, your, uh, <laughs> what are your state standards? <laughs> So I don't have any state. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I actually don't have to align to any state standards because I teach, you know, a court, you know, mm. courses that are governed by other bodies. And so I've got the CED uh, for AP, obviously, and then the IB curriculum, which changes about every seven years. Um, you know, so, you know, people complain about, oh, the CED has changed. <laughs> yeah, teach IB. <laughs> teach ib i've taught three different iterations of the curriculum <laughs> so and it's drastically different every single time um and so i use the ib curriculum which will be revised let's see we have to go be trained be this coming summer because yeah it'll be this summer 22 um because the the new curriculum was supposed to roll out this yeah. fall but it was delayed because of the pandemic and so um, the group of kids that I'm teaching now will be my first group of students to sit an exam in <laughs> three years, four years, because the kids I taught last year didn't sit an exam. The kids I taught the year before didn't sit an exam either. Um, and so it'll be a bit, you know, it's been, it's been a while since I've taught a group of students, an IB students that have had to sit for an exam. And when my, my past coordinator joked that the group of kids that graduated this last uh, May was the first group of IB students our school had had that had mm. never taken an IB exam because it was true. You know, mm. none of them had ever sat for an exam. And so <laughs> I was like, wow, how does that happen? <laughs> oh, wait, global pandemic. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the, those are the two governing documents that I use, you know, so I, I, I don't have a lot of latitude. Um, just because they're telling me you've got to teach these things because yeah. these are the things we're going. But you to don't assess. have like a pacing guide or you something know? like that that you have to follow. Um, no, and I mean we, you know, because I'm the only one that teaches my particular mm -hmm. IB course, I make the pacing guide. Um, and right now we're slow, but you know what? It's because I'm teaching them all the stuff about cells and. Mm -hmm. All of this, I feel like we need to go slow through that because we're going to build mm -hmm. on that as we go throughout the year. Um, for AP, we kind of we kind of use the CED as our guide in terms of like mapping everything out yeah. and blocking off days. And so we have kind of a footprint that we lay yeah. down and then we adjust it as we go, yeah. you know. And so, and thankfully I've got two other people that do that with yeah, me that I don't have relief. to do that by myself. All right. All right. So Kelly, I, I was yes. going to say, I, Missouri is also the wild west, but I don't know what, uh, I don't know what, um, <laughs> what your situation is. Um, how about you? What are, what are your, uh, standards, uh, either state or national that you have to address with it? And are there health standards? Maybe we can throw that in there too. Yeah, of course. Um, so my 10th grade biology class, uh, just like today, Missouri has their own, like, <laughs> not NGSS, but secretly it is actually NGSS with very minor uh, changes to it. And I couldn't even tell you what the differences are. So we basically just use NGSS. Um, and for my dual enrollment biology class, we are um, well, I'm teaching the course for credit through the University of Missouri in Kansas City, and they give me a lot of freedom on what the curriculum looks like, um, but they generally want me to teach similar topics as the AP biology courses, so um, I don't have to worry about test prep and things like that. Um, they just have to take the class and pass it to get their credit, um, but they should have a comparable 
um, college level intro biology class that's similar between AP and uh, the dual enrollment option. Uh, health is an interesting one um, because if you've never looked at like our national health standards, there's like eight of them and they are incredibly vague. Um, they focus more on skills, um, but they're things like students can access valid information that promotes health. So it's up to your imagination what that actually means content wise. Um, so I was basically asked to teach our health class um, so I could make it gender inclusive, um, make it um, have a focus on sexual wellness and also just based in science. Um, so oh. that's been my mission. Wow. I, I was just, I had the, in my mind, the, that an infographic from a WhatsApp is not um, uh, a vetted source. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, oh, wow. So, yeah. So in Massachusetts, we actually do have state standards and we have a state exam at the end of the year. Uh, it is not the most mm -hmm. rigorous exam in the world and it is NGSS-like. Um, they did not adopt the cross-cutting concepts mm -hmm of NGSS. So we have the science practices and the, uh, the content, uh, learning, uh, learning standards, but they did not adopt cross-cutting. I have a suspicion though. I don't know it at all is that it got caught up in the arguing about the other standards and when they were arguing about common core, because the cross-cutting concepts overlap pretty dramatically with common core and that whole fight was going on. And the people in the science were like, we got to just roll our stuff out. Why don't we just do the two thirds that we know are going to work and we'll come back and we'll add them later if they ever figured that fight out. And so as a result, I've been talking to my colleagues about, yep, this is cause and effect. We have to explicitly teach cause and effect, but it, it's not part of our assessment. They don't need to, to look at those things. So uh, it's not there. And then um, there's a group of biology teachers. We got together. Uh, gosh, we, we've done this two or three times in my career while we've been there. And we get together and we sort of say, all right, let's sort of agree upon some broad based agreement of like what the unit flow is going to be. And we can make cut points at different points, but we sort of have a general sequence that's the same. That way, if a student decides they want to change level, going up, going down, switch courses at some point during the year, it, for every once in a while, we start to drift apart. And then all of a sudden, like one group has moved their curriculum around because they wanted to try something new. And then next thing you know, a kid goes to change level. And there's like a whole section of the course that now one group has moved, you know, matter and energy to later in the year because it worked with something else. And so that kid drops before they get to that and they don't learn photosynthesis or cell respiration at all because it's already been addressed by one group and hasn't been addressed by the other and so they take a year of biology without learning about photosynthesis and cell respiration and so we we have agreed upon a sequence that we get there um and then uh the ap exam again we use the ced but um uh we basically took the ced and put it in a blender um and poured it out into little smoothies and we sort of because <laughs> we teach a a five unit um very storylining kind of approach to what we do uh that would not make sense to anybody other than myself and Brian who has designed the curriculum. And I will say, I haven't, I'm not panicking about what it's going to be like to teach this to sophomores, but uh, what we're doing right now is not going to be the curriculum we'll be rolling out when we resequence the courses. Uh, cause, Cause it, it barely makes sense as a second year course. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it does, it would not make sense as a first year course at all. So uh, that'll be something we'll be getting back to. Uh, pretty hard next year. But uh, I do have to make sure that when I've taught um, like my alternative program kids or our, our, our um, 
what our college prep, which are sort of our our more at more at needs level of students, uh, more students who have more IEPs and 504s. Um, I was a big part of making sure our curriculum aligned with their state standards, and so I know those things inside and out. And um, I'm often a kind of go-to person in the school of like, oh, <laughs> what do you need to address this? What is in the standards? I usually I usually have a sense of those things. So, all right, well. Let's get to the last piece. And we've been we've been like touching on this. We keep bringing it in because uh, we keep bringing in our partners in there. But um, I want to know, uh, do you coordinate um, with any other people in your classes to lay these out? And, and Lee, we'll, we'll start with you. Um, you've mentioned it before. You teach with other AP teachers. What, what's your situation there? Mm hmm. Yeah. So I'm really lucky that I have two other teachers that work with me. Um, and so we uh, we meet twice a week, you know, because we're required to on our campus have PLC twice a week. And so we get together and we hash out, you know, what's the calendar going to look like? What are our assessments going to look like? Um, you know, talk about labs, that kind of stuff. Like right now we're in the middle of designing our unit three test. And so, um, you know, we, we also all teach an IB class. And so we kind of talk about that, but since there are three different levels of IB, we don't so much plan that. Um, but one of my partners and I, um, we kind of support the other teacher because this is her first year teaching IB. So she's got a lot of questions for us because her training was not <laughs> in in-person training. It was all online. And so it kind of loses some of the, uh, I mean, there's, there's heard, a lot that I've gets heard those people who run online those online PD workshops and, and, are, you know, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible. They're just awful. <laughs> But, um, but no, but seriously, she, she's had a lot of questions. And so we've had to support her in that effort to, to teach, you know, the curriculum that, that she was assigned to teach. And so, um, you know, it's, it's as somebody who taught all of those courses as the only teacher for many, many years at my school, I feel very fortunate that I have a, a really solid team that, uh, that I get to work with and, and that I learn a lot from. You know, they've they've actually helped me kind of shape my thinking about grading and assessment and and all that. So I'm really That's fortunate nice that I get to work with them. All right, uh, uh, Kelly. <laughs> I, I know that I know your situation, but I know your situation both in school and out of school. Uh, how do you go about coordinating uh, a curriculum or or learning from other teachers or working with other teachers? Well, since I've made the jump from the Kansas side to the Missouri side, I also moved from teaching at a very large 5A school to a teeny tiny charter school with only about 50 students in each grade level. Um, so that means I am also the only life science teacher in my building. Um, so I am my own PLC. I'm the only one who teaches biology, only one teaching health, only one teaching upper level um, <laughs> science actually at all this year. Uh, we don't even have a physics class. We're so small. Um, yeah. So um, it's sometimes a blessing and a curse. I have a lot of freedom for what my class looks like. Um, I but I do also really miss the collaboration, especially in um, departments that I really got along with. Um, and I always learned a lot from other teachers as well. So I've relied really heavily on my professional networks um, since moving to the smaller school. So I can still have that. that so those Kansas it. folks still I, talk I to you, even it. though you've uh, gone over? <laughs> 
they still let me join them. Yeah. The strangest thing in the world is knowing the strength of the Kansas biology like cohort that's there. It's like it is it is a it is a crazy strong group of, of professionals. It it's ridiculous, and I feel like we are always swarming like NABT conferences. Yeah. There's just a big old yeah. squad. It's, it's one of those things that every once in a while I, I'll stop and I'll look around, and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by teachers, and they're all from another state. And Kansas is one of those, and Ohio is the other one. Like I will every once in a while turn around, and I'm surrounded by four <laughs> teachers from Ohio. It's like, how did I end up this weird group? Like, what what happened here? Uh, but Kansas is the same way for me. Like those are the two states that I I often find myself surrounded by those, uh, and then in Alabama. But if that's the case there's usually bikes involved so um that's a it's a totally different problem <laughs> yes all right uh sedate so how about you what what is your situation for coordinating with other teachers yeah so there are there are four other biology teachers at my school um that teach when i say that that teach the same biology course um so two Two of I am I am the second most senior. So um, the the two that are younger than me, believe it or not, as obviously the youngest person of this group, I know I know um, they they came obviously came after me, and I was both of their mentors, um, which for one of them was like a little bit illegal because it was during my third year in Wisconsin's law rule mandate is that you can't be a mentor until after your third year, but my principal. Uh, chose me, and we'll we'll say that's out of um, you know uh, compliments and not um, default. But um, so, anyways, so I uh, was both their mentors, and so from that, um, I I'm actually kind of reaping the reward at this point because um, they, I would say, were probably two more nervous and cautious teachers, and really happy to fall back on curriculum that someone else has developed. And now um, at least one of them is getting a little bit more bold to start to create their own material. And so um, now I get to kind of sit back and like, I can be a day late because some day behind because the other two, or at least one of them will maybe be ahead of me for a day. And then we can, um, you know, like they'll have made the revisions for this year um, or whatever they think is, is fit due to the the kids in the class that we have. So um, the three of us work, work really well in that regard um, and are all very much in alignment. We have one other individual who is um, the most senior and there's a, a large gap uh, between us. And so that individual has um, maybe been a little bit slower to come around to the NGSS uh, um like less memorization and worksheets and packets and more, you know, um, scientific practices and, and scientific thinking um, that we need to have for our students, um, who many of which maybe maybe over half aren't going to be going on to college. Um, and so um, we all end up, we all have to end up at the same place at the end of the semesters, um, or at least first semester because our counseling department doesn't reserve kids to be with the same teacher semester to semester. Mm. So what that means is that uh, one of my kids could go into any of the other three teachers classes. Um, there's, there's no preference given. And so my kids need to be mm. at the same place and vice versa. Um, so we have the same order of units 
uh, but three of us are more heavily aligned together than um, and have all the same activities, all the same assessments. Yeah, yeah. I, it's the you mentioned that uh, the the switching of courses, which I, I know Lee has talked about in the past, which I think is like. I, I can see the advantage of it, and it sounds like complete and utter chaos to me. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but so it's funny that you mentioned yeah. that, and yeah. I the both uh, you and Lee sort of talk about the number of teachers and 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 sort of that three numbers there. And so I teach with one other AP teacher, um, and so if anybody wants to listen, you can go back and listen to episode one twenty nine where I revisit uh, with Brian Dempsey, uh, who was episode one, and I re released episode one, which was such a cringeworthy listen for me. Um, but I could listen to all of the awkward audio and for like it's I talk so slow and I don't talk slowly but I was like so deliberately slow talking <laughs> um uh, and I clearly have loosened up quite a bit similar to as a teacher uh over the last few years but the the other thing that that um is is that when you work with one person or two other people for a long period of time you could develop a, a nice rapport uh this year I'm actually one of five honors teachers and I can safely say that five people is too many you cannot coordinate with with five people in there so uh we are I I am sort of uh helping coordinate and being sort of a point person as the most experienced honors teacher um in that group. In fact, you know, I've taught the honors curriculum for most of my 22 years at that school. Like, I think I took like four or five years off where I didn't, but most of the years I've been teaching that, teaching that, um, teaching that level, um, in this school. So I know the history and I know all of the curriculum and I know if something on an old unit schedule says, you know, X, I actually know what that activity was and I probably wrote it. Um, so, so I have all of that background and a couple of the others have taught honors before, but only one of them has taught it recently. Um, that person taught it fully remote last year um, as part of our remote academy. And then we taught it in person two years ago. And so it's a very chaotic group to have five teachers, one who's brand new to the building, two others who haven't taught honors in, you know, more than a decade. Uh, it's, it's a, it's just like, it, it can be, it's very stressful. Um, and this is a good group of teachers. I don't think that, uh, I just don't think we have like it's kind of like a, it's kind of like an awkward curriculum dating situation. Like we don't know each other, we don't trust each other, and it's not because we won't trust each other. It's just like we kind of got all thrown together. It would make the most boring reality television show. Like if we all lived together and had to work curriculum out together, but we just don't know each other. So like I can't shorthand things. Like oh, I'm gonna do this, this, and this. I walk into Brian's uh, uh, room, and I like halfway through my question, he's like handing me a document that is the thing that I'm asking him for that I thought of last night before I went to bed. And he thought of it the same thing, but six hours earlier. So he wrote it and he didn't even talk to me. He just sort of has it like, that's kind of the, the way we go. Or he'll come and say, Hey, have you thought about that? Uh, you know, that check-in we're going to use on AP classroom. And I was like, yeah, I wrote it yesterday. It's in there. You can go in my classes and steal. Like we do that stuff all the time. And I just don't have that relationship with this group. So I've been working with one teacher super cl close this year, uh, who's the new person to the building. Um, and I kind of want to like, I was just actually saying to a teacher the other day, and I'm pretty sure she doesn't listen to this podcast. And if she does, this is going to be very awkward, but like, she does a lot of like really cool, like, <laughs> like exit tickets and do nows and like a lot of structure. And she does, she has a lot of, she's a big toolbox for checking in for student understanding. And I don't have, I have some of that, but I don't, I don't go to it very often and I don't use it on a regular routine basis probably as much as I should. And I would love to pry out of her sort of her thinking and her approach to curriculum so that I could, 
I can learn from that. Like she does a thing that I know I can kind of do, but I don't do great. Um, and I'm just like, I'm invested in like building the relationship so I can learn how to do those things that she does very naturally. Um, and, and hopefully vice versa, you know, like I'll be able to bring some ideas about say lab design and like that sort of thing. And, and, and some of the Mm -hmm. sort of fun aspects of lab design, which I think is sort of a sweet spot for me. It's something I do apparently very naturally i like oh we'll just try this and it maybe it's not natural it's just i'm willing to spend six hours on a saturday playing with yeast and filter paper because like <laughs> that's fun um <laughs> and, and not everybody's willing to to run like i have a notebook full of like all these trials that i ran for like three weeks trying to perfect a lab and that's just that's fun for me so um hopefully i can share some of that stuff back all right. Well, we got through a little bit of background on curriculum and collaboration. And the truth is, this is just a tease. This whole episode was a tease for episode 131. Um, so, so so I hope everybody enjoyed uh, learning a little insight about sort of this background uh, that will set up for our late November episode, where we're going to talk about actually this idea of collaboration and how to collaborate with colleagues, both in our building and outside of our building. All right. So let me give credits for this episode. Uh, so please subscribe to Life at School on your podcast player of choice. Um, you can also go to patreon.com slash lots um, and you can get early releases. You can also get show notes there. Um, you can also get show notes on lifeofthschool.org, uh, which is up-to-date posts of the episodes. The backlog is all in there as well. Uh, the archive list may not be fully up-to-date, but I'll get to that at some point. Uh, music on this every episode is provided by Jake Jenkins and X Magicians. You can follow me on Twitter at Mr. Matthew Tweets or at Life of the School. And I will tag uh, these three wonderful uh, teachers um, in my tweet out on Twitter uh, so that they'll there. And I'll put uh, their, their Twitter handles in, in the show notes as well. So thanks for all for joining me and I will talk to you later.